one of the fastest ways people are getting views on social media is with short form content and there's one new platform that's helping people go viral. Today, I have a guest that turned his hobby into a thriving channel to the tune of 2 billion views in just six months using YouTube Shorts. You'll learn what it is, how he did it, and his tips for anyone who wants to capitalize on this huge opportunity. All that and more coming up on the Influencer Green Room right now. Welcome to the Influencer Green Room, where influencers get real about audience growth, brand deals, and the business of being an influencer. It all happens right here inside the Influencer Green Room. And welcome to another episode of the Influencer Green Room. My name is Benji Travis. I've been a YouTuber making a living on social media for the last 10 plus years, co-authored the best-selling book, YouTube Secrets, and now an influencer coach on my channel, Video Influencers. And I'm excited to get into today's conversation. Let's talk about your channel real quick. You've got 4 million subscribers, or by the time people hear this, probably 4 million subscribers. <laughs> right now, it's 3.88 mil million. And even crazier than that is 2 billion plus views. What people probably don't know when they look at your channel is you got most of those views in the last six months. Tell me, Jake, what has been going on in your world in the last six months? Like, in a nutshell, what's been going on? Well, in terms of my daily life, it's been sitting in front of a computer screen for eight hours a day. Um, it's funny because I think that a lot of people look at famous YouTubers or something and, and think that, oh, there's a very glamorous life behind that. And for me, it's a very different story. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of hours in front of a computer screen editing. Um, but, yeah, the YouTube viewership has been absolutely insane. And uh, yeah, in terms of the last six months, this has become my full-time job. Before before October or November, yeah, I was doing uh, freelance graphic design. So I, this wasn't even like something that was really on my radar. And literally, yeah, in October, I had 40,000 subs on YouTube. So it was just kind of something that was going on on the side. And sometime in October, I was like, okay, it's time to like take this seriously and start uh, making content full-time. But yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, but for sure. It's a, and, it certainly has been a crazy last six months. Yeah. And I know the way you start your channel, which looks like some like travel videos, you have some kind of like tutorials on, uh, looks like maybe graphics, but obviously in the last yeah. six months, your content has really shifted. Can you tell the audience yeah. what kind of content you create and what's like helped you get literally 2 billion views? Yeah. So uh, the content that I create is animated short form content. So it's it's based around video games right now. And I did a 90 part series on Among Us, which was uh, just absolutely insane to try and make 90 pieces of content around such a simple game where there's only practically two punchlines you can make. It's like uh, somebody gets killed or somebody gets voted off the ship. And it is kind of more of a niche game as well. But that was, that was my whole gig for about five months. And I've recently switched to creating Minecraft content. And I kind of plan on continuing to do video game based content for the next six months or so. But yeah, like you mentioned, it wasn't always uh, this type of content. And I yeah. only really started pumping it out when I started getting the response that I did. Um, before that, I, I do have like from a couple of years back, some travel videos, but uh, Benji and I talked about this before the podcast, but I actually started my channel in 2012. And there is a, there is a whole group of videos that are privated that are um, pretty cringy to watch, like <laughs> raps about calculus and something, just a bunch of like 
you know, the kind of middle school content that I think a lot of people put out that is that will stay hidden from <laughs> from the what? three million subscribers. Oh my gosh! Now I really want to see that stuff. Um, well, tell me about previous. You started your channel like twelve years ago. You said you got these cringy rap videos, and it's some of it's about calculus. But one thing that you mentioned is you have a history in graphics design or like yeah. graphics work. Can you tell me about like yeah. what the last I guess ten years of your life has involved and how that kind of prepared you for this crazy moment where you're building up so moment so much momentum with views yeah it's it's hard to even try and draw a strong line throughout the last 10 years because it's so twisty and turny in in what has led me to this spot um i always have been like artistically focused or like i've always enjoyed video production but it was never like a focus of my life or certainly something that i did not intend to be doing full-time here in 2021 in terms of just like how i landed here doing animation full-time uh i'm like completely self-taught on all the 3d stuff and all the graphics work literally when i was in college i was studying i was studying business i have a degree in marketing but i was like sitting in the library one night and like working on accounting homework and i was just like stressed out and there was an artist that i followed on instagram a 3d artist and for, he was just like posting and stuff and i was like scrolling to waste some time and i was like you know what i'm just i need like a creative release i'm just going to download this software and just like play around in it for a little while and that just led me down the rabbit hole of um you know spending an hour on the software every night for a couple of years and uh yeah then i started treating it as a full-time job and landing freelance clients and doing that as sort of my own little design business and eventually it rolled into doing social media full-time. You said you didn't necessarily know you were gonna be doing this full-time. How did you learn how to do this 3D work then that led you to the point yeah. where you've got these skills? How'd you get so good at it? That's a good question. Yeah, so like I said, it was a creative release for me. So like literally it, would, it was like a relaxation activity that I would do, like I would spend my free time just like moving some spheres around and like yeah, just like making different colors and stuff. It was like so stupid, but it was like, it was, I had no objective with it. It was just to like play around with it. The story goes that I had been doing this um, for a couple months and it was time to apply for internships after my junior year. So it was like summertime and everybody was like getting jobs and stuff. And I just couldn't land an internship. And it was like so profoundly frustrating because I had applied for so many internships and just got rejected left and right. I made a post on Instagram actually as well, where I screenshotted like, you can only fit 10 things in a, you know, one of the carousels on Instagram, but I screenshotted nine of them. And I was like, here's nine of the 40 rejection emails that I've re received. And I was just kind of in the post, I said, you know, instead of, you know, taking this summer to get a job at McDonald's, I'm going to go ahead and try and sell my animation stuff. And at that point I had never sold, I had never started a business before or written a contract or proposals or anything. So I, I didn't absolutely know what I do, what I was doing, but it was kind of like, Hey, this is something I enjoy doing. And it's, it feels like a valuable way to spend the summer because I'm not going to be able to get an internship. So it's just pretty clear. And basically that summer I ended up growing a lot. I aged very, very quickly because I landed some clients that were like out of my leagues i took some projects that were like a little bit above my head but it like pushed me to learn and work harder than ever before and treat it like a job and so all of a sudden i was like writing contracts and um selling full full av advertising animations like just 
off of my MacBook, like it was a 2015 MacBook. It was like so not suited for what I was doing. And I was putting in like a lot of long hours because as soon as you sign a contract uh, and all of a sudden it's like 100% on you to deliver something, you just kind of like say, oh yeah, I can make an animation of your new product. There's like full pressure is on to like actually deliver on that. So basically that summer I ended up making a salary that I, that going into my senior year of college, I was like, I'm making enough to where this is, this is something I enjoy and I'm making enough to like support myself. And so throughout my senior year, I, I didn't apply for any, you know, post-grad jobs. And I actually just almost was doing 50% client work, 50% school work throughout that year, just continuing to grow my client base and, you know, get ready to launch my business after college. Wow. So yeah, my skills developed because I was like, you know, it was, everything was riding on my back. And then the social media stuff just came in from left field. What was the shift? Did you again get bored one day and you're like, hey, I want to get onto social media? It's funny that you would even just say social media generally. Tell me the exact like the platform. And again, what was the motivation to go from doing this for work to sharing it online on whatever platform? I like jumped on TikTok first and that was in October of 2019. I made a post on LinkedIn. It was like, mark my words. I just downloaded TikTok, mark my words in one year or less, I'm going to have a million followers. So I just kind of put that out into the world. And it's funny because my first account that I started was like a curation account of other 3D artist work because I was doing school and client work. I didn't have time to like make social media posts. And then I started a new account. Weirdly, I get this frequently, or at least when I was in college and I was going out to bars, people would be like, dude, you look like Little Huddy. So my second account was like parody of Little Huddy. And I had the haircut too then, where it was like a middle part. I ended up getting 10,000 followers on that account. You know, all I had to do was kind of like put up a video of his and just copy it. And the, everybody in the comments were like, oh my gosh, this guy looks like Little Huddy. My face is like a little bit rounder, but it got old very fast because people were like, why are you obsessed with Little Huddy? And it's like, I wasn't obsessed with Little Huddy, but I was just like trying to play the game of social media. So anyway, like I wasn't growing fast enough on that. And then sometime in April, yeah, it was in, it was in April. You can scroll back to my first TikTok post. Okay. I have this goal of reaching a million followers, but I'm, you know, absolutely nowhere close. I made a third account and within 24 hours, I went from zero to 10,000 followers. And then within the next 20 days, I had a hundred thousand and it was pretty steady growth from there on out. But it's funny because my, my initial react, like now it seems so obvious to be flexing my 3d skills on the platform as like a, such a unique niche of like just gaining followers. But at that time, I just did not see that as like an option because I was so busy with other stuff. I didn't have time to put into social media. And so I, I typically try and book myself out pretty, pretty firmly with free, with freelance work when that was my full-time job. So like I had a client book me out for August and then another person, another client of mine, like a repeat client lined me up for September and October. They're like, we have work for you for those two full months. And I was like, great. Like, um, I'm just and social media was just like on the side, but basically September rolled around. I had just finished up one project and reached out to my second client and they were not ready to get the ball rolling. Uh, and they just like, were a little bit behind on design files and waiting for engineers on, you know, getting me the information I needed. So a week went by and I didn't do anything. I didn't like do anything for that week in terms of my freelance stuff. So I was like breathing for a moment where typically I just kind of have my head down, like working really hard. So I like had some time to breathe and I was like, just made some more social media posts that were like a little bit lit more labor intensive. Um, and if you look at my older stuff, it's all like just screen recordings and like really quick sort of something that would take me to 15 minutes to make. But I had all this free time all of a sudden where I was like, you know, being paid from one of my clients, but had no work to do where I actually just put like five hours into a TikTok and, or, you know, 10 hours into a TikTok, And all of a sudden I was seeing like direct correlation between the effort that I put in and the, 
sort of resounding uh, applause from the audience. And so basically by the end of September, my client was still not ready to move forward with the project. And so I said, hey, I'm calling this off. I'm, and I had just hit a million on, or yeah, this was sometime in October. And I, I called off the project and I said, hey, I'm gonna focus, I'm gonna put my head down and focus on social media because I'm seeing the rewards. And also uh, an interesting thing to notice is that I was making Among Us content, which is very much of a fad. And so I was kind of like, this is here right now, and I don't know how long it's going to be here for. So I need to like put my head down and crank this out right. while the attention is there. Do you feel like there's a correlation, number one, to how much fun you're having and how good you got at this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, I think there's definitely something to be said between you know the correlation of enjoying what you do and being able to output a quality product. This is This is like a weird thing to talk about, but like, I don't, I don't enjoy sitting in front of my computer for 12 hours a day editing. I think that's probably pretty clear, but it's like, yes, I enjoy creating and making something new, but certainly the process is not like fun. It's a lot of long hours and like, just like sitting away, sitting at a computer crunching away. So it's not like I'm smiling every single moment of the, of <laughs> the sure. day, but it's like the general, I just really believe in what I'm doing. And yeah, the, the whole thing, I'm pa I am generally passionate about 3D design. So that definitely fuels me on a daily basis. Yeah, my wife, you know, she says she enjoys the editing. And I believe it too, but it's not like she's smiling while she's editing every video. And sometimes she gets tired. Sometimes, you know, she always yeah. uploads at noon, five days of the week. But what she says for sure is she really enjoys like that upload moment. How does that make you feel when you're done with eight hours of work and then you upload it? I would not sit down at my computer and like make an animation just to just to watch it in the comfort of my own home. Like I would rather turn on uh, Hulu or Netflix, <laughs> you know? But so I'm not like making it to watch it back on my own. Like I'm making it for the audience and, you know, very much listening to them. It's like so encouraging to read the comments. It's funny because I think a lot of people experience a decent amount of hate when they join social media or when they get big, I have really not experienced that. I've been like privileged to, I think a lot of uh, my audience is connected to what I do, but also like, I think it's clear to a lot of people that it takes a lot of hard work to put into what I'm doing. So there isn't a lot to like leave hate comments on. So yeah, it certainly is driven by the audience, like yeah. with overwhelming support. Do you feel like you're gaining that instinct of like what will do well? Have have you found that there's like a correlation now? Like you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to hit really good and it actually does do good or is it still kind of all over the place? Yeah, so it's it's funny because I think I know my audience really well by now. And also after you do anything 90 or 100 times in a row, you do definitely understand what does well and what doesn't well, well and the timing and everything. With my line of work, everything has to be very calculated because, you know, it's like I, everything is very conscious. There is not an extra second of animation that just like, oh yeah, it's an extra second long. Cause that would add a couple hours onto my workflow or whatever, you know? So it's all very, very calculated. It's funny because the first time I talked with a YouTube partner manager, um, she was like, oh, do you, do you like understand why you've been successful? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like I've worked my butt off for this stuff. Um, like to make these viral videos, right? But I think they probably interact with a lot of people on a daily basis who are like, oh, I don't really know why my channel blew up. Or I, and I don't know if that's necessarily true or not, but I think that there is a co whole conversation to be said for, a whole conversation to be had for the fact that I think social media in general is moving towards a more um, 
candid and relaxed approach. Like people just want to have something that they can connect with. And that's kind of like TikTok as a whole platform is just about showing those, you know, cooking a steak moment that just like weirdly resonates with people. So my, my content is like certainly on the overproduced edge of, or like the, about as high production value as you can get. But there is like an amazing market for the whole, I just shot a video of a steak and it, people like to relate to that. So yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I, I hopefully you're not looking at like, man, I wish it was that easy for me. I mean, that was just one video. You know, usually the yeah. ones that I like really have to think about the production and the angles and then I have to go and edit. I mean, usually a good YouTube shorts for me takes like 30 to 60 minutes just to make a, a yeah. good one. But with that being said, let's actually talk about what's been going on with YouTube shorts. By the way, I apologize. I didn't even introduce your stats on TikTok. You're just killing it over there too. But it's YouTube Shorts that really has been making a splash in my world. You know, I'm a YouTuber. Yeah. Tell me about what what drove your decision to upload to YouTube Shorts and kind of what's going on with it. Because I think even though in the YouTuber world, it's it's kind of gaining traction people are taking notice generally speaking people probably have no idea this format is on this platform and they're they're mm -hmm. used to just seeing it on tiktok yeah well it's interesting that we're having this conversation today because literally yesterday was the day that shorts were like officially launched in the united states so they you know you've been able to watch them on your phone but now there is the change that happened yesterday was that now creators have the camera tool which is similar to TikTok's camera where you can add text and use music and stuff. So basically um, how I got onto YouTube shorts, it was like a throwaway platform for me. Like when I, when I create a piece of content, it's kind of like, I'm going to post it on all my socials because you never know what's going to happen. And it's worth a lot of people say like recycling content. That's like the terminology that's used frequently. And it's funny because like, yes, it was certainly recycling at that point because I only had 10,000 subs or something. I didn't, I didn't necessarily care if it only got 100 views or whatever. So the story goes that I I had my finger on the pulse of the short form content market because this was in this is early September or mid September when everyone thought that TikTok was going to be banned in the United States. There's a whole hubbubaloo from Trump <laughs> saying that it was going to be out of the out of the market and it just kept getting delayed. But I was like I was very keen on finding okay one, I, I believed that one platform was going to replace it. So I didn't know at the time it was like Byte, uh, Triller was kind of making some waves and um, YouTube sh and then Reels also popped up during that time. But I got an email from YouTube. It was like kind of a spam. It's like one of the spammy emails that you get sometimes as a creator, just like, hey, we're hosting a live seminar. So I attended this live seminar and it was just this guy talking about how they're starting beta testing for shorts and they're coming up with a competitor for TikTok. And, you know, they push it out in India right away, India and Indonesia, because TikTok has been banned there. So they were really keen on grabbing that market while there was no, you know, short form leader, I guess. But at that time, uh, the, the, the day that I listened to that uh, live stream or whatever, I just uploaded 15 of my TikToks, like 15 of my most popular TikToks. and just smacked them all up on the, on the, I think it's 15. I don't know. You can fact check me on that. It was quite a few. And just uploaded them to the platform and just kind of got them out there as sort of part of my brand. And from that time on, I, I would, you know, make videos for TikTok, but also upload them to YouTube. But the degree that I did, 
the degree that I didn't care about it was so much that I didn't even bother to, you know, remove the TikTok watermark, which for me now is like sacral. It's like crazy to think that yeah, I would yeah. upload something to YouTube shorts because I care more about YouTube shorts now than I do TikTok. But regardless, it's funny because my shift very quickly focused, my focus very quickly shifted from, oh, I'm a TikToker to within a matter of a month or two. It's like, oh, I'm a YouTuber now. Like TikTok is my recycle platform. But yeah, so it was like a live seminar, just uploading my stuff and then it took off. So there you go. And when we say took off uh, to the tune of literally four, bill, uh, 4 million subscribers, 2 billion plus views, just to give a little context to the audience. I've been a YouTuber for 13 years. My wife and I have a vlog channel and it took us 10 years to get to a billion views, which is pretty massive, right? I'm like more proud of that than anything. Like m the gold play buttons, all good, you know, like the opportunities, but like a billion views. So Jake has done this literally in the last six months. Of course, this is YouTube shorts for anybody listening. YouTube shorts is like the TikTok short format type of content on YouTube, but still there's a human that's watching it. It counts it as a view and it's vertical video. And so this just got rolled out literally yesterday formally. You could always upload shorts, but it was kind of janky. You had to do it through the thing. So now you're here. It is, you know, what, six months later, uh, March 2021. One question that uh, I just had when you were talking is, sounds like you're proud to be a YouTuber, right? And now your yeah. throwaway uh, platform is TikTok. Don't get me wrong. I know you still respect the platform and you appreciate those viewers, but why that shift and why is YouTube a place that you have like a special connection to? Like, what is it about that platform that makes it so important? And now you're, you, you embrace that title more proudly. Yeah, it's funny. It's an excellent question. YouTube has always been like the holy grail platform for me. And I've, I've been on YouTube since 2012 or whatever as a passive viewer, like watching, I would watch PewDiePie every day when I was in college. And, um, you know, there, I was always like in tune with the YouTube community for the most part. So I've always like just thoroughly enjoyed the platform. But also I think that it has always been for a long time, the industry standard for like allowing creators to do creation full-time. It's kind of like the king of monetizing, you know, content creation. So I kind of thought, you know, if I'm ever going to be a full-time content creator, which was not on my radar until uh, six months ago, uh, it has to be on YouTube. And that's also the reason wh why I started taking it seriously, why I shifted my focus was because I was starting to get traction on YouTube. And I was like, okay, I have 100,000 subscribers now. If I go 110%, I can, you know, reach that level on YouTube, but you know, even, even after a million uh, followers on TikTok, it's just a TikTok follower is not necessarily as valuable as a YouTube follower. And that's just the reality of the sort of atmosphere of the platform. It's, yeah. I don't know, there's all this conversation about, you know, Charlie D'Amelio got a hundred millions of followers in one year, whereas PewDiePie did that in 10 years yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Right. So it's just kind of like, it's a different atmosphere, but I have always viewed YouTube as the the king platform yeah, because of the sure. monetization opportunities that are there. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of monetization, I don't know how much you're comfortable sharing and we don't have to get into like actual numbers, but one thing yeah. that we do know is YouTube shorts 
isn't monetizing right now, anything over a certain yeah. amount of uh, uh, seconds or minutes, you can monetize, but with short form, it's harder. TikTok has the t TikTok Creator Fund. How are you monetizing your work right now? Um, if you also can explain what the TikTok Creator Fund is, and are there other ways that you're kind of uh, uh, monetizing? The reason I asked, because another thing I found out about you is, up to just recently, you were using some pretty old gear. Uh, you didn't even have an appropriate desk. Maybe you want to talk about that first because that's kind of interesting because you got all these billions yeah. of views with like very basic equipment. Um, but now you're monetizing a little bit more. Just curious how, how you're basically paying the bills and building, yeah. you know, the, the business. Yeah. So I'm pretty open about the fact that I'm not making much money right now. And the short answer of how am I monetizing my content is I'm not. So the TikTok Creator Fund does pay uh, me enough to pay. It covers my rent. Between the TikTok Creator Fund and uh, YouTube revenue that come from not the short self, so people watching my content through on laptops, etc. It pays me enough to cover my rent and my food, but I certainly am not going to own a Rolex anytime soon. Um, <laughs> Which is just a, f a weird thing because I think, you know, if I was a traditional YouTuber, uh, I would be sitting pretty on, in a mansion somewhere in LA if I had 2 billion views. Uh, For <laughs> but sure. But it, it is a different, it's a different ball game with shorts because they, you don't make money from short shorts on YouTube. Um, so the short answer to that is I'm not monetizing like aggressively right now. I'm not selling any merch. I'm not making an approach to long form content anytime soon. So I'm not really looking at ad AdSense as something that I'm really aggressively pushing anytime soon but um my plan the thing is i'm playing the long game right so i'm i view this as an investment and right now i've only been really in the game for a few months and so i'm just kind of like trying to grab this aggressive upward growth to the point of wherever i plateau and then sort of branch out and like okay it's time to make money i really view this as my time to just like chill out and uh enjoy the ride while while the while there's a land grab going on for sure so and, you know, yeah. another thing that I heard you say that really impressed me because most people wouldn't think like this. They, they get into these platforms or they create content to get famous because they want to get paid. And uh, rightly so, like my channel video influencers, our tag phrase is build your influence income and impact, right? Because that's going to the, the monetization is what's going to help you build the dream. But you said something that really stuck out. You said, I'm more concerned or focused on, number one, like entertaining the viewer, but building that social capital. Why is that so important to you? And what can people learn from that in terms of how it can maybe help you get more opportunities later or make money, um, you know, down the line? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's pretty clear that if you have a large following and a, a large audience, you're able to sell merch merchandise to them or uh, ask them for things when the time is appropriate. So it's like kind of this whole audience, your, your entire marketing department is just, Hey, I'm wearing my merch today. Uh, you should go buy it. Right. So it's, it's just funny because I think that the, the I'm being paid in subscribers right now. I'm not being paid monetarily. So social capital is a good way to put it. 
the relationship is what's important. I don't yes. know if this is something you saw with other YouTubers or people that you follow, but it is for someone your age to like have that kind of understanding. And I guess what makes it unique, Jake, is the fact that you're willing to work without the equal amount of pay. Because if you were to do this yeah. kind of work for a client or continue your business, you probably would be making a lot yeah. more money. I personally yeah. know the influence is what helps you get the income. Yeah. I just haven't seen a lot of people your age do it. I don't know like where you learned that from or who you heard it from, but it is unique. Yeah. Well, I don't, yeah, it's funny because I don't think that, uh, that, um, attitude was necessarily given to me by anyone, but I think I do under, I think I have a better understanding of the fact that, you know, it is all about the influence down the road. And I think that a lot of people stunt their growth. And I don't know if this is necessarily true or not, but I think a lot of people stunt their growth by as soon as they hit a million being like, okay, I'm selling a book now. I have merchandise and you become a sales platform. And I see so many influencers, like every third post is like, the coldest water bottle or what is the other one bang energy it's yeah. like i don't know there's not necessarily a direct correlation between viewership going down but it's like i'm so laser focused on the growth right now that the only thing i care about is getting to the point where in five years i'll be making enough money to not care about oh yeah i i well yeah i don't know no that's it's, good... it's the long game versus the short game you know for sure definitely it's all about the long game because there's nothing there's nothing worse than like getting famous and then you annoy your viewers and it's not like something you can do next year. And yeah, I can speak from experience. One of the reasons that we've been able to sustain what we do, my wife and I, is because we always have thought about this from the beginning. Even though I thought it was going to all dry out like you, like you're like, oh, I better throw this onto YouTube shorts. I, you know, TikTok might like disappear here soon. Or the fact that you're like, well, you know, Among Us is, you know, relevant right now. I better do it right now while it's still relevant. But you know, doing this for a decade now, it's crazy. I've never sold out, I guess you could say, or we've always yeah. been integrity driven with our content. We never want to sling something that wasn't really appropriate for the viewers. We definitely didn't want to annoy them with too many sponsorships. So we're really unique in our space. Even though we have influence, we say no to more deals than we would ever say yes to. And we only say yeah. yes to the ones that align with our audience. And because of that, 13 years later, I've made more money with my wife than I ever thought for for stuff like on YouTube. But secondly, even in my own life, I've always been ambitious, but to be able to do this at home and to, you know, do this with my wife and my, my kids are kind of part of this business and never have to kind of be salesy, you know, has been incredible. And so, man, kudos to you. I do have another question for you, kind of an interesting one. Um, but is there anything else you want to mention uh, to piggyback on that or anything else that uh, comes to your mind? Well, the last, the only last thing is that I did sell one branded promotion for my YouTube and TikTok audience, but it was, it was kind of like a sustainability thing. Like, okay, I need to pay the bills a little bit more. So sure. I did that in December. Sweet. But what was, I'm what was the brand? What was the what was the brand? What was the product? It was a, it was an app to help people connect to play Among Us together. So it was like a good fit, and it was it blends very well with all my other content. It was like, hey, download this app. It was like an animation, like all my other stuff. They gave me complete creative freedom to just like, hey, promote our app to help people find friends for Among Us. So it was, I thought it was a good fit, and yeah, 
yeah, perfect. I like need you a little said, money to pay the bills, but yeah. Not just pay the bills, but sustain what you're doing, you know, and paying yes. the bills is part exactly. of that. If you have to spend time building a business or at a job, then that means less time creating content. Uh, my yeah. next question is very interesting, only to me and maybe anybody else that was watching this. You recently put up a video of you editing a like graphics, right? And it's yeah. basically a time lapse. Didn't like get any crazy amounts of view, but you probably just wanted to give yeah. like, hey, this is behind the scenes of yeah. what I do. I want to know what is it that you drank three cans of that's sitting on your desk? What is that? LaCroix, what LaCroix, flavor is that? Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, I think that was a lemon, but I actually am pretty, I, I try any LaCroix at all. I actually have a wall in my other room where I nail all the boxes up. <laughs> just a little decoration for the apartment. But yeah, I like LaCroix a lot. And so this it's actually, this is going to go somewhere, by the way. Because it's not just the LaCroix cans in this video. Um, I personally love sparkling water too. But that wasn't the point I'm trying to make. You work sometimes for literally eight hours a day. And even me, like we've been yeah. sitting here talking for like about an hour. And I already feel like I want to go for a walk. What things do you do to prepare your mind and body to be able to work those kind of hours, especially multiple times a week. And then secondly, what do you do to kind of like trigger the right creative mindset or get these ideas to create the videos that get these millions of views? I think I, I do have an ability to work. I don't want to say that I can work harder than other people, but I also like am just very driven and very passionate about what I'm doing. And I, be and I just believe in what I'm doing. And so one of one thing that I really am, am I really believe in daily content. And so for me right now, it's just like so important for me to get to the end of the day and have a video to produce. And I know that if I don't put in those really hard hours that I'm not going to have it. And it just feels, I feel crappy when I wake up in the morning and I don't have a video to post from the night before. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm motivated internally and, you know, it's fine to take a couple of days off a week, but. I just don't want to. Yeah. I don't know. Your work ethic is definitely impressive, especially considering you do have to sit at a computer and do all this. And knowing that yeah. even though you're getting all these subscribers and millions of views, it's not necessarily equating to like financial revenue right now. Yeah. But one thing uh, I remember you mentioning on Clubhouse, again, I keep bringing this up, but like I literally sat there and listened to you talk for like three hours, was uh, taking walks. And yes. I personally love take walks. Why do you take walks and what is that yeah. for? Well, so it is part of like, that's like, honestly, the only relaxation activity that I partake in these days. Uh, I live up in Alaska. So it's like so many, it's just like beautiful. There's straight mountains on all sides of me at all times. And then surrounded by the ocean on the other side. So it's absolutely beautiful. But also I just find that when I'm up and moving around, it's a little bit easier for me to work through it a new idea, I suppose. Um, a little bit easier to do the creative thinking on my feet. And that's just a personal thing, but I think a lot of people probably can resonate with that as well. Um, when I'm at my desk, I also live in a very small apartment. So it's like when I'm at my desk, like working, it's just kind of a different mindset when you get in and just start grinding away. But yeah, I don't know. This is, I don't know if there's necessarily inherently anything that's like magical about going on a walk, but it does <laughs> oftentimes, I find that it helps me when I'm not just staring at a blank wall when I'm walking around and thinking through different stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you know about what I do, but uh, I'm a firm believer in eating good food. And when I say good yeah. food, it, it's not just healthy food, just like 
you know, high quality ingredients. So like even fried chicken can still be good for the soul, literally. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, also moving around and walking. So it was, again, another thing that I heard from you, I was like, wow, this guy's like, do you work out? Like, do you do any other kind of exercises? No. So I was like, I was in high school. I was a big cross country runner and like oh, okay. track and field and swim team stuff. I don't, I don't do any of that now. I like, honestly, it's kind of a cop out answer, but I just don't have time. It's a two hour commitment to, to go run and then shower. And also it's funny that you bring up diet because my diet is absolute trash. Like <laughs> I'm not kidding you when I, when I say I buy ramen in pot pallets, like I have like a 12 pack of ramen. I buy it from the grocery store in 12 packs. So I eat a lot of ramen and I eat a lot of eggs. So it's like the two main tenets of my diet. And it's like, it's not that I'm, when I start, when I moved here, it was like, yes, that's me saving money and like being conscious of the fact that I, you know, need to support myself financially and regardless yeah it was driven by finances before and now it's kind of just driven by habit and it's when i want to eat i want to like within 15 minutes be back at my computer working so like i'll my diet is driven by things that are fast the other thing that i wanted to say about the work ethic that i think is interesting um i think part of why i'm able to like work as hard as i do is because i have historically been in work like my career career has been very short is driven like 100 off of my own back so when i was working with freelance clients and stuff like if it, if i miss a deadline or if i over promise on something that i can't deliver on it's 100 on me to get that done and so for a long time i've learned this about self-reliance and just like if no video here's the thing is like if if i don't have something to post tomorrow it's my fault that i didn't post it or that i didn't put in the work that day it's like what did i do all day and I know that I'm capable of, everybody has eight hours in a day. I know that I'm capable of putting, putting that time and still having a few free hours during the day. But yeah, it's like, it's an absolute crappy feeling when you're like, oh, well, I didn't get that out and it was on me. And then yeah. another day goes by and it's like, well, it's, it's literally my fault. There's not, there's not a team of people, especially, and I've learned that through the freelance stuff. It's just, I, you're your own boss and you ownership. probably relate to this to some it's, degree. It's yeah. It's like the ownership. ownership. Yes. That's. Yeah ownership and accountability is like yourself. So, yeah. There's really not very much else that I think people need to hear because it's pretty simple. Even the fact that your setup wasn't even, you know, a crazy advanced. It was a lot of just, like you said, dedication, work ethic. You, you, you took ownership in what you were doing. I feel like you were doing this for all the right reasons. And that's why like you know, some people like, they need to make a certain amount of money. And so if they don't make that money, they almost get like demotivated for you. The motivation is just seeing these people enjoy your content. And so as long as yeah. that's happening, it just keeps you going short form content for anybody that doesn't know, I, I kind of explained it earlier. It's basically videos that are 60 seconds or less. Typically they're vertical videos on TikTok, Now Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, just rolled it out. Since you're pretty experienced, you know, this was so crazy. You said like, oh, I've only been doing it for a long time. It's not really my career. Uh, but the thing is, YouTube shorts specifically, you haven't had a lot of time to even be like an expert at it. Obviously, TikTok. What's your advice for people just starting YouTube shorts? Because everybody from graphics people to comedians to even like business people are trying to get into this. And I get this, this question constantly about like, what should I do? 
I know you're not an expert in all things YouTube necessarily, but like if somebody was going to get into it, maybe especially graphics, what is your advice for them? So it's funny because I was just listening. I just listened to your earlier episode of this with Matt and he, his piece of advice was get the reps in. And it, I don't want to just repeat his advice, but that's the correct answer is that you have to do it a lot of times before you're good at it. And before you deserve a following, you have to put in the hours. So yes, it's important to do something that you can do uh, multiple times during the day. And like right now, I'm only, I'm only able to produce one piece of content a day. But when I was starting out, I would make three to six videos every single day. So I would say, first thing is, there's two things that I think are really important. Number one is find something that you can do on your own that you don't rely on anyone else for, because then your fate is like in your own hands. As soon as you need somebody else to film for you, or you need somebody else to be in the room, it's it's exponentially more difficult to control your success. Right. So be self-reliant. And number two is like, you might have all these complex ideas for like viral content, but you need to start out making something that you can do in 15, 30 minutes and just put it up. Because through that re repetition, you're going to understand what is good about it or what is bad about it and also at the beginning it's all about quantity and then you're i think you shouldn't move to quality until you understand what quality is because you can't understand the quality of a viral piece of content or like why it's viral until you've done it a hundred times so yeah boom that was an amazing interview and i literally only have one question left for you and because you made that huge, bold statement on Twitter, was it? Uh, to Gary oh, it was on Va LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Okay, you made that bold yeah. statement on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> you, you tagged Gary. You said, hey, I'm going to get a million followers in a year. And you actually accomplished it right here, right yeah. now on my show. A year from now, do you have any aspirations or what you think would be a cool goal to set? And you can take a few seconds or moments to think about it if you want. But what would that goal be? That's it's funny because yeah, it is something that you want to think about for a minute. But at the same time, I'm very I'm very goal driven. I usually have off the top of my head a good idea of what I'm trying to do next. So, 10 million is the goal that I'm going for on either platform. I'd like to have 10 million subscribers, but it's like to some degree you can't always control that. So the only thing I can do is put out the best content that I can every day and continue to move forward. Um, and so yeah, it's it's fascinating that I was able to actually get. 1 million exactly one year from posting that but to, to a large degree i can't if my views stop coming in tomorrow like i'll i'll do the best i can to continue to make content but it's uncontrollable the, the other thing i would say so 10 million is on the is on the horizon that's what i want but also i want to continue to diversify my platforms is like something that's really on my mind i'm on tiktok and youtube but also on uh instagram i only have 10,000 subs or followers so it's like trying to balance out a little bit more which is going to be you know, a mix between trying to cater content more to that audience and also um, supporting them through my, you know, through my already followed platforms. So yeah, go. that's stuff that's on the horizon, but yeah. 10 it, million subscriber play button, I believe <laughs> will be getting delivered to you by the end of next year. You're completely right. You can't control it too. However, you did accomplish your first goal. So good luck to you. Yeah. I actually believe you will. And I'm so glad that you shared it right here. 
Uh, Jake Fellman, you can find him anywhere. Just type it into Google. It'll bring you right to his stuff. But uh, what would you like to say to the audience? And is there anything that you want to promote or share about like how they could find you and what kind of content you create? Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I don't have anything to promote. I appreciate the opportunity, but yeah, I'm not selling anything, not doing anything, but creating content. So the only way that you can support me is just, you know, subscribing to my channel or uh, liking a photo on Instagram. So yeah, you just search my name anywhere. You'll find me. Sweet. Well, Hey everybody, thank you so much. And definitely go check out what he's doing, especially on YouTube shorts, because this is the official beginning of YouTube shorts. And this is why it was a big deal if you're uploading to a previous, but now the floodgates are opened. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for hanging out with us. We look forward to sharing even more conversations with you from inside the influencer green room.